Cool. It's good to see you. I've asked the children, well, I've invited the children to stay in for the first five minutes because I want to show them something. But there's something coming up very soon, and there's been one or two clues in the notices and, and that kind of thing. Can anyone tell me what's coming? Christmas is coming. And I've been asked to do a Christmas sermon. That's like asking a poacher to speak on truth and honesty. <laughs> For those who know me. So here we go, truth and honesty. Um, but um, as the children are in, I, I know that um, a certain gentleman comes down your chimney on Christmas Eve. And it's traditional to put things out for this certain gentleman. And I asked my grandson what he would put out for Father Christmas. He'd been to Father Christmas through the week. What would you put out? None of the elders are allowed to answer this, by the way, because you, know you know the punchline. Uh, what, what should we put out? So what would you put out for Father Christmas? Children, adults, what would you put out for Father Christmas on Christmas Eve? I don't think there's any wrong answer. You just... No, no, no. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You have to be smart and spoil my joke, yeah. <laughs> Who is that, Jackie? Well, I'm going to tell them what a Migdalida is anyway, so I'm going to spoil your book. <laughs> so that's two things. Jesus. He said, like Jackie said, put out the fire because he doesn't want Father Christmas to burn his bottom. And Paul said that he's got the same humor as me, but actually he wasn't being humorous. He was being serious. So he's a very literal young man. So... True. I, if I was Father Christmas, I would want the fire put out. Wouldn't you? Yeah, you're looking at me gobsmacked. I don't know. <laughs> Not many people have real fires. Right. I'm going to show you a clip from the 2014... Okay. Right. Anyone who's got smart aleck comments, could you keep them to yourself, please? Because they're not appreciated. I'm allowed to do them when I'm sitting there, but you guys. Because, you know, I can't vouch for my sort of restraint. <laughs> I'll set les on you. <laughs> I'm going to show you a clip from the Faith Life Nativity play from 2014. So that's five years ago. Some of you weren't perhaps even born then. But there are one or two. <laughs> Paul, were you born then? <laughs> there's, a, there's a very special guest in there playing one of the parts. Uh, there's one or two children who are a bit older now, but you might be able to spot them. But I'm just playing a segment, so here we go. So we've flown in this special guest with a great expense. Let's move away from this. But here it is, the 2014. Great. So who, who did you spot in there? Who, who did you see? Sorry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put on weight especially for the part. Did you notice that? Uh, who did you spot, apart from me, of course, Theo. playing the angel? Theo, yes, a very young Theo. Toby, yeah. A young-looking Pete, yeah. Gemma? Lizzie, yeah. Scott, yeah. Jessica? Catherine? Gemma? Sorry? Martha, yeah. Cool. So there you go, that was it. But there was something missing from that story. Children. No, no smart comments from adults, please. What was missing from that story? What happened in the story that we didn't portray? Because we couldn't afford it, basically. It was a low-budget production. Sorry? I didn't have any wings. That wasn't it. <laughs> Sorry? A multitude of angels. A multitude of... You couldn't afford them. I only could afford one onesie, so, we, you know, that's... 
That's what happened. So a multitude of... And what were the angels saying? Anybody can tell me what the angel was, angels were singing? Glory to God in the highest. Peace, goodwill towards men. Exactly. Well done, everybody. You've passed the Christmas test. Christmas is now over. We'll get on with our lives. So, it goes downhill from here. I'm sorry. So the Christmas story, the bit I want to talk about is the angel, angel Gabriel, I think, probably, coming to the shepherds. And I just want to recap in verse 10 of Luke 2, just so we're using our Bibles. I hope you've got a big one ready for the origami in a couple of weeks' time that we're doing origami out of our Bibles. No, not really. Mark will bring some paper. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. So the angel was talking about tidings of great joy, good news, a Savior. Yeah, we, we kind of know these words, don't we? We are a little bit like that young man who said, I've heard this story before, sigh. You know, it kind of can lose its luster. But I want us to recapture the, 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 the beauty of what it's talking about. You know, we've heard the Christmas story a million times, but there's truth in there, isn't there? And it's not just, as we'll see later, for Christmas. So it's tidings of great joy. So then with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And then it says the shepherds went and saw and made it widely known. And all who heard it marveled. So I want to think a little bit about the shepherds. And I'm sort of touching on stuff that Peter's got in his book. Or I haven't read his book. I've read other commentaries. And some of what I'm saying, they kind of presume. It's not necessarily gospel fact. But there's, there's beautiful truth in it, I believe. So I want to touch on some, and also talk about this Migdal Eder, which sounds like it comes from Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? But uh, uh, Lord of the Rings came after, I think. So. so shepherds, what do we know about them? Any ideas? Were they high status, low status, middle status? Low status. They were the lowest of the low. They had a bad reputation, shepherds. The nature of their job meant they couldn't keep all the law and the regulations so they were looked down upon as being, you know, they, they just weren't anybody. And it said, and I, I thought Les would like this, uh, not that he's talking about him, of course. It said, in one of the commentaries, it says, they have a, a regrettable habit of confusing mine and thine. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> That's nice to Do you, you get it? Mine, you wouldn't leave your handbag with them. Because <laughs> what's thine is mine. <laughs> yeah? You see what it's saying? You can, they were... Take someone's stuff. So, and they were considered unreliable. They weren't actually allowed to give, to be witnesses in the law courts. They were, they were low. They were a despised class. Makes you wonder, what was God doing sending a messenger to such low people? Why didn't he send him to the priests and to the, the religious elites, the qualified people? A bit like us, qualified people to receive that kind of thing. You're not the hoi polloi. That we see and about. But God obviously got a plan. And 
in the stuff I've read, and obviously in Peter's thing as well, it says that the shepherds that night were possibly near the tower or near Migdal Eder. And this is a watchtower of the flock. It's called the watchtower of the flock. That's what it's called. And in Micah 4 verse 8, it talks about this watchtower. It's a prophecy about the coming of, of Jesus. And it says, at the lowest, the commentary I was reading says, at the lowest floor of the watchtower, the birthing of the Passover lambs would take place. Because the flock they were looking after wasn't their own or someone else's. It was the flock for the sacrifice of the Passover. It was a sacrificial flock. These were looking after the lambs for the Passover. And it said, at the right time, when they had selected ewes, they would take them to the lower ground floor of Migdalida, and they would, the, the lambs would be born, and they'd wrap them in swaddling clothes and put them in a manger. Does that sound familiar? That's amazing. I mean, this is they're surmising this, okay? This isn't necessarily, as I say, gospel truth. Because the, the Passover lambs had to be unblemished, yeah, with no bru bruise or broken bone. So they looked after them really well, wrapped them in swaddling clothes and put them in a manger. Peter was telling me this morning that that's the only place they did that. I'm not sure because he just told me that, and um, I'm sure he's right, but um, I didn't find that. So the miracle sign for the shepherds was they would find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in the place where the Passover lamb should be. You think, wow, you do think, wow, don't you? <laughs> wow, wow, that's the best bit. You can go to sleep now. <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you remember, John the Baptist, John 1.29, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Talking about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When I was a really little boy, um, I used to go to church. My mum used to take us to the Anglican church. and um, They used to do this thing called the Agnes Dei. I mean, recently they've written a song called Agnes Dei, which isn't like it. But Agnes Dei said, O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, sorry, grant us thy peace. And they would say that in the communion service, I think. And as a little boy, I didn't get it because I thought, he's taking stuff away. I, I really, why, why is he taking stuff? You know, it was, it, I, it was a distinct memory in my mind thinking it was a bad thing. It's a bad thing. He's taking stuff away. Not good. Um, but obviously, more recently, I've come to see that it wasn't a bad thing. But it was a good thing that Jesus, the Passover lamb, took the sin of the world. No longer do we have a sin problem because Jesus has taken the sin of the world. He's the Passover lamb that came, was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was pure and blemished, and he died. It's interesting that I was thinking about the story of Abraham and Isaac when Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac. And Isaac said, well, where, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And he said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering. God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering. So God was providing. God was providing the lamb for the burnt offering for uh, Abraham and Isaac. He stopped him killing his son. Remember that? And said that, now I know that you really love me because you've not withheld your only son. Um, but not only that, um, he provided Jesus, a sacrifice for the whole world. And that's what Christmas is about, really, isn't it? Which is good. That Jesus came to die in our place, to take away the sin of the world, 
to make possible peace with God. Because it's interesting, they sang peace on earth. There actually hasn't been peace on earth since then, has there? And mostly it's the religious people that are fighting or causing the fights, isn't it? One religion against another, it's not good. But he came to bring peace with God. And then if we have peace with God, we can have peace with man. But so often people are religious and, and, and don't get that. So it was a sacrifice sufficient for, for, the, for our sins, for us. We couldn't do it for ourselves, but God provided. That if you remember in the Passover, they, they, in the first Passover, they had to put blood on the lintels. Do you remember that? So put blood on the lintels of your house, of a, of a sacrificed lamb, the Passover lamb, and then stay inside the house. Because when the angel of death comes, you won't be killed. And the angel of death came and killed the firstborn in every household apart from those who were under the blood, if you like to coin a phrase, uh, under the blood. And Jesus himself put blood on the cross, didn't he? That brings uh, release from us, from judgment, from, from death, from all those things. I think that's probably good news. Don't you? Is it good news? <laughs> it's good news, isn't it? It's good news that we don't have to suffer the consequences of the things we've done because Jesus took them for us. Praise God. And the angel said, and, and this is what I want to focus a little bit more on. Um, so he said that there was a, it was a sign, if you like, there was what they were singing, of goodwill to men. The sacrificial lamb coming and dying was, a, was, a, was showing us God's goodwill to us. Um, it's an interesting thing. When you, the problem with the Bible is when you start to look into it, things that you take for granted aren't necessary. This is a passage that they find quite a bit difficult to kind of uh, translate, this, uh, the Song of the Angels. So you start reading the commentary, you find it's quite, it's quite hard to translate, you know. Um, but I think if you look at the different things, it says, because um, if you look in the different versions, they're slightly different. But I've sort of narrowed it down to two. The, the, the one I like is the New, King, the New King James and the King James, which is goodwill to men, which is the one we know but also the RV, the Revised Version, and the NASB, and the ESV, and on earth peace among men in whom he is well pleased. So the real sense of God being pleased with men, there's favor on men, God's favor. It's a sign of God's favor. This baby that's being born is showing forth the favor of God. Yeah? So it's good news. And I want to have a little look at an Old Testament story about good news. I can't really leave you after five minutes. I know you'd like me to, but, you know, that's, I can't stop there. I want to look at a story in Two Kings. I think you'll probably know it. I think I've probably preached it before. It's Two Kings 6, 24 to 720. And, and this is um, around the time of Elisha. Um, I always slightly worried about choosing Elisha because I think I might get mixed up and say Elijah, but it's Elisha. So if you spot an Elijah coming in there, you know, it's, it's not right. But the king of Assyria had besieged a place called Samaria. It's talking about the northern kingdom, the northern capital of the kingdom, uh, of the kingdom sorry, Samaria. And he, they'd surrounded the, the city, and it, basically there was a famine in the land because, you know, that's what they do. They cut off bread and water. Uh, in, uh, when it talks about Jericho in the Bible earlier on, it says no one came out and no one went in. It was that kind of thing. No one came out, no one went in. The city's under siege, and it said, it tells us what the, the economy was like. It said that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. Now, they weren't even really supposed to be eating donkey's heads, but 
you know, they had to. They were starving. So donkey's head was 80 shekels of silver, and a quarter of a cab of dove's droppings was five shekels of silver. Who would like to eat some dove's droppings? It doesn't actually mean dove's droppings. It means it's a kind of pulse. Or it might be like a, a bulb of a plant, like a, an onion or something. So that's, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about dove's droppings. You know, That wouldn't be nice, would it? If you were a bit hungry, go into town and find the pigeons and scrape up after them. And if we've got some nice dove, uh, pigeon droppings for our tea. And it was so bad that there were, a woman shouted to the king who was going around the, the, the battlements to see what's going on. Help me, O king. And the king said, you know, basically only God can help you is what he says. And, and, but what's the problem? And she says, well, me and this other lady, we, we decided we would cook our children and eat them. So I did mine yesterday, and we ate him, but she's hidden hers. And, you know, we can't. So that's how bad it was. They were eating their own children, cannibalism, it, it, the kind of thing happened. But the king, you know, well, he was, says later on, he had sackcloth, so he's, he's kind of uh, mourning about this. But he knows it's only God that can help. But he thinks that Elisha's the problem. So he, they go to kind of sort Elisha out. And um, as they go to sort Elisha out, Elisha brings them a word. He said, this is the word of the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a seer of fine flour will be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley a shekel at the, the gate of the city. So there's going to be something happen whereby all of a sudden, you know, the, the economy is going to be very different. And there's an officer who the king is leaning on. He says, yeah, right. Even if God was to make windows in heaven, this would never come about. So Elisha said to him, well, you'll see it, but you won't taste of it. You'll see it, but you won't taste of it. Him, personally, that, that guy, that officer, whoever his name is. Um, so that's, that's the state of play. It goes into the evening. And apparently there's four lepers outside the gate. Now, one of the commentaries I read said that the Jews believed that Gehazi, you know, the servant of Elisha who got struck by leprosy was one of them, but I'm not sure whether that's true or not. But it's, you know, it's a nice little aside, bit of information for you to take away and chew over of your, your dinner. But there was four lepers, and they said to one another, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die of famine. If we go and surrender to the Syrians, they might let us live, or they might kill us. But if we die, we die. So they've got a few options of, of dying. So they decide that they would go and surrender to the Syrians. They go over to the tents. I don't know how far they were, but they can't have been that far away. So they went across to the, to the tents. Because obviously lepers, they weren't allowed in the city. You know, they were unclean, unclean, all that kind of thing. You know, the story, the stories. So off they went, and they realized, actually, there's nobody here. There's all these tents with all these equipment all this equipment and everything, but there's no one here because the Bible tells us that the Syrians had heard a sound of chariots and horses, a great army. They thought a great army would come in. They'd been hired by uh, the people in Samaria to set them free. And so they just legged it. They went, and later on they find that there's bits and bobs all along the way because they've, they've you know, such a hurry to get away that they've left things around. So the lepers basically do what you and I would probably do. They got a load of food, ate it, ate themselves silly, drank themselves silly, and then they found all these clothes and silver and gold and things, 
And so they decided, right, we'll take this away. They took it away. They hid it so they could find it again. Then they went into another tent. And they must have ate really well in the first tent because they didn't eat in the second tent. They just got loads of gold and silver and took that away and hid it. And they're about to go into the third tent. And then they realize, hang on a minute. This is a day of good news, and we're not doing right. We're keeping it to ourselves. And then they realize, actually, if we keep quiet until the morning, we're going to get in trouble. But I'll leave that aside, because that doesn't really help what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, excuse me, for that. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. So they decide they'd better go and tell the news to the city. They go to the gatekeepers, and the gatekeepers wake the king, and his household, and the king of the household, they're a bit dubious, even though they've heard the word of the Lord. They're a bit dubious. We know what's going on. They've set a trap. We'll go running out. They'll jump out of hiding, and they'll kill us all. But then some said, no, let's, let's not worry about it. Let's take one or two of the horses and go and find out what's going on. Go, go and chase them, and that's what they do. They go and chase them and find that they've gone away. And so the people go in and plunder the camp. You know, you can imagine what it would like. It'd be like the sales on the first day and when the doors open. You know, everyone's after that television that's, you know, two pounds off or something, whatever it is, or whatever else people get into. So they, they go, and the officer who was very skeptical and said, yeah, right, this will never happen, was actually on the gate. He had been assigned to the gate to look after it. He, he got trampled in the rush and died. He saw the deliverance, but he didn't experience it. And um, we find that it came about. Two seers of barley were sold for one shekel, and one seer of fine flour was sold for one shekel. I didn't write that bit down. There was a great deliverance wrought. And again, God used lepers. Strange. Why didn't he use the religious, sophisticated people who know where it's all at? They know the Bible and the law and all the rest of it. Why didn't he use them? He just used the lepers. He used shepherds, he used lepers. He might even use us. Do you think? Is it possible? Yeah, yeah it might be possible. It is possible. We have received good news, have we not? We have received good news. In fact, this is a day of good news. This is an era of good news, isn't it? You know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We're in a, we're in a, I forget what the word is, but we're in a time of good news. We're in a period of good news, not just because it's Christmas, but because of the, the age that we live in. And that good news is to be shared with everybody, is it not? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry. I've got a sense of people are snoozing, but I'm sure you're not. Sure, you're just smiling nicely at me. And I've been thinking about this a little bit, about the good news. And I've been thinking about this whole uh, goodwill to all men. Because I believe that God wants us to carry the good news of the deliverance he's brought through Jesus. And he wants us to carry his goodwill to all men. Yeah? And it's not just to talk about it. We have to carry... The attitude, yeah, of goodwill. Because I've realized I don't always carry the attitude of goodwill. I'm, you know, when I'm going around, sorry, Les, I've let you down, I know. But, um, you know, 
when I'm around and about my business, I'm not always feeling that good a will towards people around. You know, and I can tell people until I'm blue in the face that God loves them. If I don't carry that attitude of goodwill, it's not going to help them, is it? They're not really going to receive it. That God loves goodwill, God's favor. God loves everybody around me, whether they deserve it or not. Because actually, I don't deserve it either, although I somehow think I do. I'm deserving, but Paul isn't because he shouted at Esther yesterday. <laughs> No, it was the day before, actually. But <laughs> um, Yeah, so we, we, we need to carry. And, and I've been challenged recently by seeing people the way God sees them, but having his attitude to people. Because, you know, I can go out and sing. You know, this is how it is. We go out and sing on the streets and worship Jesus. I get really irritated on the way down walking because people get in my way. And I get really irritated on the way back. And you laugh because you've never done it. But <laughs> what a, you know, what a hypocrite, really, am I? You know, I need to love you. Some say, oh, well, that's fair enough, you know. <laughs> yeah, I need to carry that sense of God goodwill towards people. I, and I've been around and about, and it's interesting. I've, I've just been, yeah. I've just been thinking. Yeah, I'll go back to this. It's an attitude. We need to put on an attitude of goodwill. Yeah? Just going back to Christmas a minute. I don't know about you. I don't know when you put your Christmas decorations up and your tree. But in my house, we have a bit of a strict regime. It's not me. My kids have been scarred for life by their mother, not allowing them to put their tree up until the kids break up from school and take them down as soon as they go back to school. Whereas everybody else gets their tree up from 1st of September. Or so, or so it seems, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, Cheryl. Cheryl gets hers up. In fact, do you take yours down, Cheryl, at all? <laughs> For one day. <laughs> she takes hers down one day in the year. So my kids have thing. So, uh, you know, the decks. And, but now we've got grandchildren. It's a bit more lenient. It's going up today. 8th of December. You know, my kids are going to have such a grudge, you know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Actually, towards the end, that me and Phoebe used to try and subvert the, the rules a little bit. And, uh, but I was wondering when we should put our goodwill on. Because Christmas is a time of goodwill, isn't it? Should we put our goodwill on on the 1st of December? Or when the Christmas Eve? Are you sure? That's as early as that. <laughs> and so I realized that goodwill is for life. Amen. Not just for Christmas. Yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> Goodwill is for life, not just for Christmas. How are we doing? How am I doing? How are we doing in showing forth God's goodwill? Because God loves all the people around us. His favor is towards them. And he asks us to do the same. We're called to show goodwill to the lovely and the not so lovely. Sorry, the lovely are over there. <laughs> the not so lovely. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. The easy to love. They're not so easy to love. <laughs> the rich, the poor. <laughs> the clever, the... Uh, <laughs> Is it easy? Is it easy? Is it difficult? No. It's impossible. It's impossible in your own strength. But it's very difficult even with God's strength, isn't it? Um, okay. So... 
we've been worshiping on the streets and going to prayer meetings and, you know, what else have we been doing? Oh, um, Michael, going to Micah House and worshiping. And in all these venues, you know, we worship extempore, you know, by the Spirit. So we start songs. And someone has suggested to me, I'm not going to name names, Phil, <laughs> <laughs> that I shouldn't start a song if I don't know the words. I can never start a song again. <laughs> I don't know any words to songs. No, seriously, I don't. Even songs I know, you know, we were, we were singing one on a video the other week, and I couldn't remember, Jesus, we enthrone you. I couldn't remember the words of that. It all, it all slipped. So I, I don't always know the words to songs. But praise God for phones and Safari, <laughs> Google. We can find the words to songs. But why do I mention that? Because I'm trying to have links, you know. It's like when you leave worship, you've got to have a link between the songs. I've spent ages practicing the links. You don't practice the songs, you practice the link. You know, can't play the song, but I can play the link. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Now, Mike and Flick have introduced us to the, this combination of Show Your Power. So we sing Show Your Power. And then we sing the banner over, Your Banner Over Me is Love. Yeah, you know that song? Or is it? Is it, because it's a difficult song, that, even though it's a little short one. His banner over you is love? Or is it his banner over me is love first? You're going to be 50% right. <laughs> or 50% wrong. Because I found that whatever setting I'm in, it depends who's leading, it depends who's singing, as to what you sing first. Banner over me is love. Banner over you is love. Okay, you're all telling me what you think, and that's fine. You think it. Mike and Flick think, think different things. That's, that's true. Uh, Mike's about as good as me at words, although he's quite good. But <laughs> his famous one is about joy goes in the morning or something. That <laughs> he sang to the way. Sorrow may last for whatever it is. I can't remember. But anyway, so, you know, so there's a bit of a scuffle when you start to sing that song because you're thinking, are we singing Banner of You first? Or Banner of Me first. I've realized that in my house, Helen sings you first. So I've got that one. That's fine. That's one setting. That's fine. But everywhere else, it's different. And different people sing it different days. Banner of Me, Banner of You, Banner of Me. So why do I say that? What I've realized for me, I've thought about this now. Okay. Got some theology behind it. Yeah. I'm going to sing for me if I'm in charge, which I never am. You Banner of Me. I need to receive God's love. God's favor. I need to really revel in that. And then I can share it with other people. And so that's, that's what I thought. It's interesting. There's um, um, Psalm 36, verse 79. I was reading this yesterday because I've been doing Andrew's book again. Andrew's book, very good book. We all did it last month. I'm doing it again this month. So Psalm 36, we were on yesterday or the day before. I'm not sure. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. We're to feast, like the lepers did, on the goodness of God, the salvation of God, and then share it with those around us. Yeah, so his banner over me and then I'll share it with you. Because it feels like, you know, being preferring one another, I should sing you first. God's going to be you. 
prefer you, my sister or my brother. But no, it's once I've experienced, I can share it. If I haven't experienced, I can't share it. I can say words, but words don't help people really. It might make a bit of difference, but it needs to carry, be carried love. I'm coming to an end, so you can kind of you know, relax a little bit. It's really a short one today. But um, this thing about banner. We have a banner supremo in the house. So I thought I'd better get her to help me on this. So Dee is going to help me. She's the banner king, queen. Because I've been thinking, you know, it's such a simple song, but I've been thinking about it a lot. His banner over me. And so firstly, I thought his banner over me, I sort of saw it as a, as a banner up there, yeah? His banner over... Let me come over here. His banner over me. Yeah, would you agree? His banner over me? But it's much more intimate than that, isn't it? His banner over me. His love. His grace. His mercy. Notice it's red, blood on the lintels. Yeah, like the link there, yeah? His banner over me. Just, just revel. Spend time reveling in his love for you. His grace, his favor, his mercy. He set you free. But then, what do we do now? Banner over me. Yeah, banner over you. Banner over us. No, 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 no. No, where are we? <laughs> Just never work with children and... <laughs> I'm banner, I'm banner, ladies. <laughs> it's banner over you. Yeah. Who's you? Me. Bucky we were going to get, weren't we? <laughs> Remember? <laughs> I know you had a bit of a trauma with the notices. <laughs> so once we've got banner over me, we then banner over you. And we draw people in to the love the favor, the mercy that we've received. So that the banner is over us. Banner over me, banner over you, banner over us. His mercy, his love, his grace. Yeah, cool. Cool. You can sit down if you like. I told her she wasn't allowed to use Joe because that was too easy. So don't just... Well, firstly, we need to have the love for people, don't we? We need to ask God to put that in our hearts. Since the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts. And then find ways of expressing that without just words. And Stephen did something really good yesterday. Can you come and tell us? Just come and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this was a practical way of, of, expressing, of expressing love. Do we have a... Uh, yeah, so we were at the Mill Road uh, Winter Fair yesterday and doing kind of our worship on the streets like we often do, but in a slightly different context. Um, and God gave me this idea. Well, I think it was God. I was half asleep a couple of weeks ago, and I had this idea. Like, I was planning on doing the Mill Road thing with, with these guys um, and, you know, handing out tracks and things. Um, and I really had the thought of doing, handing out tracks, getting tracks. Um, and... But then God also gave me this random idea um, when I was half asleep to get these like uh, hand warmer, like you know those hand warmer things that you, you you press them and then they go hard and then they're really warm for like an hour or two after that. Um, so I thought, oh, maybe that's a God idea, you know. So, so I kind of, uh, oh, they were heart shaped. 
so because we often hand out the father's love letter um i don't know if you're familiar but uh, they're just a, a letter about the father's love and just loads of scripture behind it and so they, they go really well with that um and so yeah i ordered a bunch of those and they arrived Saturday morning, just when I knew, just on time. <laughs> uh, we prayed for that on Wednesday as well, <laughs> that they would arrive just on time. And uh, yeah, and they were really, they was really successful, I think. Um, just people, much more, open, when you give them a gift, you know, because it's like quite a practical thing, because it's, you know, it wasn't actually that cold yesterday, but and it, towards cold. the end it did get, yeah. So it was quite a practical gift as well. So I think people appreciated that. And it just opens people's hearts, you know, when you give them something practical as well, so. It was definitely a God thing, because just, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Good. Thank you. So let's just find some practical ways of showing, demonstrating. It doesn't have to be giving them something necessary, but it's demonstrating the, the God's favor that's in our hearts now, demonstrating to others. Yeah. I was going to use that um, quote, um, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. And I was going to say it was by Francis of Assisi. And I checked it out last night and got a massive slap from this thing I read. So it isn't from Francis of Assisi. I don't know if it's from anybody, but it, this person was not impressed by this quote. But it's a good quote, isn't it? And, yeah, but this person, you know how you read something, you think, oh, my goodness. You know, a yeah, massive slap came out of my screen. And, but but it, it's got great sentiment that we need to demonstrate the gospel. We need to demonstrate God's love. Um, I've been, because I've, I've got more time at the moment, I've been going down and praying. I've been praying down the street where we worship, and I went down Mill Road and prayed on, on Monday because we were going to be singing down there and that kind of thing. And I've just been thinking a little bit, and, and you know, one or two of the people that I, I spend time with are just good at going up to pe- just approaching people and saying, can I, can I talk to you? And I was thinking, why well, ought to do that? And um, there was this person I saw, and I thought, oh, I ought to, but I just, I just couldn't, and I thought, no, and I was feeling a bit of despondent about it, thinking, well, I perhaps should have done, but couldn't. But then what I can do, and what I like doing, is just talking to homeless people and giving them a bit of money and telling them, don't waste it, because I haven't got, I, I've actually got Tommy to stop saying I haven't got very much, because that's not true. But I, I sort of say, look, here's two pounds, whatever, use it well, don't waste it. And then and praying. And so there's one guy who shouted at us the other week, didn't he, mate? He's the guy, I've seen him around a bit, and he's a grumpy old so-and-so, and I don't particularly like him, because he's, I've seen him be really mean, and he came past, and he begs, right? So he came past and shouted at us because we're shoving the gospel down people's throats. And I thought, well, you actually are begging off people. It's as much of, you know, so like, you know, you know, you do. Like I was saying, I, I'm a bit different from this, you? I, I, you know, get bad attitudes sometimes. Um, but I just felt that I should go and bless the guy. And so I did. I just gave, went and gave him some money, and that was it. God bless you. And it just helps me. It releases me. But it's just finding ways of blessing people. You know, there's a little guy called Michael out there who I've given money to a couple. Oh, I gave him some food the other day. And I've tried to remember his name, which, if you know me, that's a miracle in itself. You know, I'm moving in the supernatural by remembering a guy's name. <laughs> you know, so... And to use it again and to, to, to bless him. So, but let's find ways that we can reach out with the love of God. You know, Grow Baby is another thing that they've been doing, which has been fantastic in reaching out to the people here. And, and Oliver's telling me she was in a professional meeting with her speech therapist and all the rest of it. And Grow Baby was mentioned as a very positive thing, wasn't it? So that's, 
That's, that's really good. So, um, you know, a new life got opportunity to do stuff in uh, there, Eddington, because of, of what they'd moved back. So it's, it's really good that just really learning to experience, not just preaching at people. Preaching is good, but we need to back it up with, with showing God's goodwill. Yeah? So, this is your response time. Okay? I'll see you now. I would like you to recognize that God loves each one of us and his favor is towards us. He sent Jesus as a Passover lamb to take away our sins and bring us peace with him. So I'd like you to revel in those truths, particularly at this time, but going on from then. Then I'd like you to determine to share his goodwill and or his love and this good news with others. Don't keep it to yourself. He has qualified you. You know, we've got lepers and shepherds. Oh, that's rude, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm not really being rude. I'm being funny, so you'll remember. We're all qualified. He wants us all to be involved in sharing. Because there's people that only you can reach in ways that only you can do. You know, we don't always have ideas about the hand warmers, but Stephen did, and that was great. Other people have different ideas. Did you want to put your rollback speakers just there? Okay. <laughs> he has qualified us to do it. Will you do it? Will you do it? This is a question now to you. Will you do it? Will you show his, his goodwill? Will you show his goodwill? That's great. I'm going to pray. Would you like to stand? Father, I thank you for your great grace and great mercy and great love towards us that you sent your son as a Passover lamb to take away our sins and give us peace with you. Father, thank you that like the lepers, we have found a great feast with all kinds of provision. And that's fantastic. Lord, I pray that for each person here, they would get a, a fresh sense of your love and goodwill. But also give them opportunities and ideas of how to share that goodwill, that good news with those around. Lord, we want to be a church of goodwillers who carry your goodwill. Thank you, Lord.